Last week, we began a, a new series studying the book of Philippians, Finding Joy. And Paul wrote this letter of encouragement to the early Philippian church while he was a prisoner jailed for his faith. And despite his challenging circumstances, Paul provided positive teaching that still speaks to us today on how to discover joy. Let me ask you a question. Do you think you are a good driver? Pretty much everyone does. Just, just ask them. AAA published uh, a survey, and it revealed that 83% of all drivers consider themselves better or more careful than other drivers on the road. I'm not sure that really squares with my experience uh, on, on 275, but uh, that's an interesting statistic. Well, I wonder if that survey speaks to the church. Does that same ethnocentrism parallel our lives and, and attitudes? If we took a survey, would we consider ourselves better Christians than, than others in the world? Well, today we want to talk about having the right attitude. And I want you to see that human nature seeks joy by focusing on self. But Christ's attitude provides real joy by focusing on others. And so the way to achieve that attitude of Christ-likeness begins in verse 3 with the command to avoid selfish ambition. Verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. What Paul means is that our consideration for others must precede our concern for ourselves. Last Thursday, I heard on WLW uh, an interesting statistic that as of last week, Cincinnati had catapulted into sixth place on the national list of murders per capita. And as they talked about this recent rash of, of youth shooting youth, they said this is not drug-related, this is not gang-related. Uh, these are young people settling their petty differences and disagreements with firearms because you said something about me or you didn't treat me with respect and you can't get away with that. And these teens are just eliminating each other to such an extent that we're up there with a New York or an L.A. or a Chicago here in the, the greater Cincinnati area. That's, I think, really a, a statement on this attitude of self-centeredness, this human egocentric idea that we are the all-important and anyone who gets in our way, we need to cross them off or eliminate them. I think one of the biggest tasks faced by parents is getting their children to overcome selfishness and become concerned about others. Schools are back in session. and We can be like that little boy who came home dejected after his first day at school. He said, I'm not going to school tomorrow. His mother said, why not? He said, well, I can't read and I can't write and they won't let me talk. So what's the use? 
In recent months, the, the news has been permeated with stories of unrest and dialogue about the, the racial tensions that have been on the minds of, of many. And I want you to look at racial prejudice from a different perspective today. A racial prejudice stems from the mistaken idea that one race is superior to another race. It goes beyond having a healthy appreciation for one's heritage, and it becomes divisive and, and dangerous. And this passage offers the simple solution to racial prejudice. It says, in humility, value others above yourselves. That's the opposite of racism. I like the way J.B. Phillips translated this text. He said, live together in love as though you had only one mind and one spirit between you. Never act from motives of rivalry or personal vanity, but in humility, think more of one another than you do of yourself. None of you should think of his own affairs, but each should learn to see things from other people's point of view. Let Christ Jesus be your example as to what your attitude should be. Avoid selfish ambition. There's a second principle that this passage presents. That's found in verse 4, and, and that commands us to attend to others' needs. Whenever there's going to be a solar eclipse, we've all been warned not to look directly at the sun or it could do serious damage to your eyesight. I think sometimes a preoccupation with our wants, our way, our preference can eclipse the feelings of others, the needs of others, our responsibility to others. And as the Apostle Paul wrote this letter of instruction to the first century church in the city of Philippi, listen to the words of caution which still ring true today. He, he writes in verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. But also indicates that our own concerns are not to be totally ignored, but that the interest of others must also form a good part of our concern. The Bible's realistic. It, it doesn't say, never think of your own needs. It tells us, think of your own needs, but don't become so preoccupied with them that you overlook the needs of others. Human nature seeks joy by focusing on self. But Christ's attitude provides real joy by focusing on others, that, that external focus. There's a joke about a, a man who walked into a pet store and he ordered 10 mice and 42 cockroaches. And the store owner said, that's an unusual order. Well, the customer said, I'm moving out of my apartment, and the lease says that I must leave it just as I found it. <laughs> well, serving others means that you don't leave things 
just as you found them. I've shared with you before that when I was a teenager at a youth conference, I, I heard a message by Tommy Oaks that revolutionized my, my life. 45 years later, it's, it still has an impact on me. He talked about when you go into a public restroom, you know, after you wash your hands, use your paper towel just to wipe up the sink and clean that up and uh, leave it better than you found it. And to this day, I, I can't walk out of a public restroom without tidying up a little because of that challenge, that admonition to not just think about myself and that. Eh, there are other people that can clean that up, but to, to do my part to, to make it better. What about the restaurant help? Uh, you can help clear away a deserted tables, fast food wrappers, and throw them in the trash that someone left behind and, and walked out. And we're all observing how restaurants are struggling right now just to keep their doors open and, and to be staffed. And, and so um, we need to have an extra patience with the, the kitchen and with the, the staff if, if we're dining out, realizing that they are struggling. And they are shorthanded, and so we can be Christ to those people if, if we demonstrate his attitude instead of being demanding or impatient uh, under these circumstances. What about when you see a piece of trash outside? You can bend down and pick up that and, and throw it away. You, you can hold the door for someone, just pausing to be considerate and not rushing ahead and thinking only of, of yourself. You can let another car out into the flow of traffic. There are all kinds of ways that we can adopt this attitude that, that Christ had that looked out for others and wasn't consumed with me first, my way, uh, I got mine. And so we want to have his attitude and exemplify that. That's what enabled Paul to feel joy even when he was a prisoner. He was looking at the chance to talk to these prison guards about their eternal salvation. And so he saw that as a great new assignment when plan A didn't work out to go to the Roman Colosseum and preach. Plan B was one at a time to talk to these people and point them to the Lord. There was an article in Guidepost magazine. It said Lee Brown of the Sheriff's Squad in San Diego received an emergency call that a child was choking to death. Using a freeway that was under construction and not familiar with the exit ramps, he found himself near the street where the boy was, but separated by a deep ravine. Praying to God for help, he heard a voice say, What's the matter, officer? And it came from the operator of a giant earth-moving machine who was working on the road. The officer explained, I, I need to get to that house, but I, I can't get there. I don't know how to access that. And uh, the operator shouted, follow me. I'll make a road for you. And, and soon, with sirens screaming, the address was reached, and a frantic mother thrust the choking child, already blue, into the officer's arms. First aid was applied, a, a button flew out of the baby's mouth, and the holes in the button had let enough air through 
to keep the child alive. But the story doesn't end there. The next day, the officer retraced his steps to thank the earth-moving machine operator who had helped bulldoze a makeshift road for the urgent rescue. And the officer wanted to thank him and let him know that the baby was all right. The man gulped and said, I, I know. But what I didn't know was the child we helped save was my own son. There's an old Chinese proverb that states, when we help another dig a hole to bury his burden, we find a place to lay our own. Jesus taught an inverted approach to power that was completely countercultural. Co-founder of Cincinnati Bible Seminary, J.W. McGarvey, observed, In an earthly kingdom, honor and authority measure greatness. In Christ's kingdom, it is measured by humility and service. Noticing the needs of the overlooked and assisting them. Poet Shel Silverstein wrote a heartwarming verse entitled, The Little Boy and the Old Man. In it, he portrays a young boy talking to an elderly gentleman. The boy says, sometimes I drop my spoon. I do that too, replied the old man. I often cry, continues the boy. The old man nodded and said, so do I. But worst of all, said the boy, it seems grown-ups don't pay any attention to me. Just then the old man took the boy's hand and said, I know what you mean. Verse 4 says, not looking to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Try to see others through the eyes of Christ. Would you echo the words of this prayer and, and let the Lord exalt in his time, in his way. And it says, if I am called to serve in a place of prominence, Lord, keep me humble. If I am called to serve in a place of obscurity, Lord, keep me gracious. Christian author Oswald Chambers summarized, an average view of the Christian life is that it means deliverance from trouble. It is deliverance in trouble, which is very different. If you are a child of God, then certainly there will be troubles to meet. But Jesus says not to be surprised when they come. And then he continues, God does not give us overcoming life. He gives us life as we overcome. The strain is the strength. If there is no strain, there will be no strength. He said, are you asking God to give you life and liberty and joy? He cannot unless you accept the strain. And immediately you face the strain and you will get the strength. God never gives strength for tomorrow or for the next hour, but only for the strain of the moment, end quote. Human nature seeks joy by focusing on self, 
Christ's attitude provides real joy by focusing on others. Finding joy through attitude is, is found when we avoid selfish ambition, when we attend to others' needs, and finally, when we act like Christ. Our free e-newsletter each week called the Midweek Update. Let me suggest that you request that on your connection card today before you drop that off in the offering box. You, you can just give us your email address and just write Midweek Update and you'll get uh, this weekly communication from, from the church. Uh, it comes out usually Wednesday or, or, or Thursday. But one issue last month, I, I shared the following excerpt and I want to repeat it because some of you aren't yet subscribed. And it was written from the perspective of one of Jesus' disciples keeping a diary as he traveled with Jesus for three years of his earthly ministry. And so the entry for March 29th says this. Today, he said so simply to a blind, filthy beggar, what do you want me to do for you? As if that blind man were the most important person on earth. My heart leapt to my throat as I watched the master at work. He's certainly the living testimony of God's love. Praise for God swelled up within all of us as we saw this once miserable beggar jump in joy, able to see. I believe we are all fully convinced that as a man, Jesus is more complete and less in need of others than any human who ever was. And yet this disciple writes, he spends his time and energy more intently for others than anyone who ever lived. Let's return to our text. Let's read on in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, his Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Christ possessed equality with God the Father, but he did not cling to, clutch his position. Instead, he willingly relinquished his rights. Jesus had to determine to leave the perfection of heaven, to enter a fallen world populated by people who have left a lot of deposits on the sidewalk of life. It, it looked messy, unpleasant, and undeserved for him to enter our realm on a cleanup mission and yet he willingly chose to do just that. You know, the world's pyramid of importance is shaped like this. The, the more people you have working beneath you, serving you, then the, the greater your importance. 
But Christ offered an inverted pyramid of importance. The, the more people whom you are serving, the greater your importance. Christ's approach to greatness was not a typical one. The Bible makes it clear that he came down into the world and he came down from the very top. Once his life on earth began, Jesus never stopped descending. Omnipotent, he cried. The owner of all things, he descended and had no home. The king of kings, he descended and became a bondservant. The source of truth, he was found guilty of blasphemy. The creator, he descended and was spat upon by the creature. The giver of life, he was crucified, exposed on a cross, bleeding and gasping for air. With his death, the descent was complete from the pinnacle of praise in the universe to the ultimate debasement and torture of death on a cross, the innocent victim of human wickedness. And God asks us to lose so we can gain. He makes a hard request. He then offers a promise. Lose your selfish ambition, and I will honor you for loving others. Lose your addiction to things, and I will provide for you if you seek me wholeheartedly. Lose your obsession to be in control, and I will give you power as you follow me. Lose your appetite for thrills, and I will startle you with pleasures you could have never found on your own. Lose your life, and I will give you eternity. Before we close our, our time, let's return to Philippians chapter 2, where we left off in verse 9. It says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Johnny Carson was the king of late night TV for nearly three decades. His sense of humor, his easygoing demeanor, his ability to interview celebrities was on, were unparalleled in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. During that time, he had Billy Graham on his program numerous times. And since Johnny wasn't known as a real spiritual man, Carson always felt a little intimidated whenever he had Billy Graham there as a guest. One night years ago, Johnny was interviewing Billy Graham, and at one point during the interview, there was a lull in the conversation, and Carson, feeling a little awkward in the presence of this spiritual giant, tried to speak to our human depravity, and he blurted out, you know, Billy, if Jesus ever came back to earth, I bet we'd do him in again. And Billy Graham leaned forward in his chair. He said, you know, Johnny, the Bible predicts and promises that Jesus will come again. But the first time he came in love, and the second time he'll come in power, and no one 
will do him in. There's coming a day of reckoning, a judgment day, an acknowledgement. That moment, the final moment in human history, will recognize, celebrate, and honor Christ's ultimate power and authority. And one can either choose to yield to him and enjoy the blessings of following him now, or one can kneel in subjugation and face the punishing consequences of ignoring his obvious supremacy. It's a choice that each of us will make, either choosing him or by default denying him and not obeying him. How will you choose? Our Father, we thank you for the example of Jesus who left all in order to give us all. We thank you for his sacrifice, his sinlessness, his unique qualification to step in as a substitute and receive the punishment that we each fully deserve. Lord, I pray for those who do not yet follow him that they would bow their knee to him today and be ready for the day he returns when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.